The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. Chiefs fans, your Kansas City Chiefs are again on the doorstep of hoisting a Lombardi trophy. And the only team in the way is 43-year-old Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the game preview edition for the Super Bowl. That will never, ever, ever get old saying, and I believe Patrick LeVon Mahomes will allow this to happen several more times in his career. And we got a lot to talk about this game, and here to help me do it, are both of my dear pals today. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, you're not going to be in Tampa this weekend, I understand. I am not. Too many things are shut down this year. As much as it's an easy trip for me, there's just not a whole lot going on other than being in the town in which I would then watch the game from inside of a building anyway. So, you know, I'm going to postpone another Super Bowl City trip till next year and we go for the three-peat. I do have a confession to make, though, guys. I have come to the realization that there's about three weeks out of every year that I simultaneously love more than anything else and hate more than anything else. And the lead up to the Super Bowl is one of them. Not only <laughs> does the wait miserable, but I get so interested in just football scheme and game plan during this week. And then like for two weeks in the middle of June that I waste my entire day getting very, very detailed into the most minute parts of defense and offense, trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I essentially feel like I've barely gotten to do anything in real life because I'm trying to just intake everything about this game from a schematic standpoint. And it's it's delayed our podcast recording for an hour, and I've buried the lead. <laughs> I was about to say, we've, we've been sitting here trying to figure out, is this code? What is, is that a cut call? Okay, one, that's not how I sound. But two, I've also buried the lead. Craig Stout, the Renaissance man, has returned Woo! from a small vacation, from building a plane, from bringing a small island out of the ocean. Tell us, how was your mini vacation? It was fantastic. It was not a mini vacation. <laughs> I was working. It was a late work night. Naturally, Super Bowl week, that's all got a hit because, you know, I don't have anything else going on. None. My mind's not anywhere else. So it is great to be back here. Talking about this game, I am so excited. I'm like Maddie too. I, I just want to get into everything about this game. Get, delve into everything. So really excited because your team is in the Super Bowl yet again, Kansas City. Yeah, this has been a really fun week to dive into this matchup. Normally, I try to keep my articles to eight, 900 words because that's the only amount people will read anyway. And I wound up writing like 1,500 this week. Like we just all kind of got a lot of thoughts in our head and we looked at a lot of different things. And one of the things I looked at on offense was the offensive line. Uh, we obviously know what's going to be going on with this football team and this offensive line. They are going to be without Eric Fisher. Mike Remmer is very likely to start over at left tackle. Um, you're going to have um, Nick Allegretti at left guard, Austin Ryder at center, most likely Steven Wisniewski at right guard, Andrew Wiley at right tackle. This is not a group that is striking much fear in anyone. In fact, Jason Pierre-Paul had no clue who the Chiefs' left tackle was uh, <laughs> when he was asked. Um, this is going to be a really fascinating matchup. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to make this statement. I think the Chiefs can win 
if dis- I think the Chiefs can win despite the Bucks' defensive line getting home and creating problems. I don't think the Bucks can win without it. If that makes sense, I think the Chiefs have ways to overcome this. I think if the Bucks are going to win this football game, they have to have a lot of success as part of the formula in order to beat this football team. But the good news for you, Kansas City is that the Chiefs have really done a good job of mitigating offensive line struggles all year, and Patrick Mahomes has been a big piece of that. If they're not getting quick pressure, he's just dicing them up. And that's that's been happening with the RPO game. They've really, you know, they've utilized the run pass option game. They've just been utilizing utilizing the quick game, the screen game, they've done the sprint outs, the rollouts. They've done a lot of really good stuff to kind of help um, you know, the, protect this offensive line and then just kind of said, Okay, Mahomes, you know, ten to fifteen plays. Uh, a, a game you're gonna just have to do things that you normally do. Last week, the Chiefs, pa- Patrick Mahomes, eight of eleven for 105 yards and a touchdown when he didn't have to, when he wasn't when it was kind of just like a little bit out of structure. He would get to the top of his drop and hitch, still holding the ball, you know, having to step up in the pocket, bounce out of the pocket, having to create in any way, shape, or form. Eight out of eleven, 105 yards and a touchdown, which was actually better than the rest of his line. That's really positive, especially coming off of the foot injury. Um, that's that's really big for him moving forward here, Craig. I feel really optimistic that this offensive line can hold up, but it's going to be the big factor. It definitely is. I, I mean, obviously, it's the biggest talking point of this week because if you can slow down Patrick Mahomes, then the Buccaneers have a good shot at winning this. Shaq Barrett has had a very good year. Jason Pierre-Paul has looked really good the past couple of games. That's where the focus is going to be with the Chiefs missing a lot of their offensive tackles, you know, basically being on the third right tackle and the second left tackle. It's not a good situation for them to be in. That's not where I'm most worried about. I think that Andy Reid is going to try and protect those guys as much as possible. He's not going to leave them on an island like we saw them do against the 49ers last year and Eric Fisher got destroyed on an island. I'm worried about Vitave. I I mean, I'm really worried about him on the interior. He's a heck of a player. He's a monster run stuffer and he's got good enough athleticism to really rush the passer and he's lining up next to Indomitian Sue. Another player that if he gets rolling early in this game could be a destructive force as well. The interior of the Chiefs offensive line has been a problem all year long. And it's largely the same players. Now you've got Wisniewski in there. You've really got a group of guys that has patchwork things together. And they're going up against two really, really good players. I know the focus is going to be on the outside. And they're going to do things to try and take things away on the outside against those good pass rushers there. I'm worried about Patrick Mahomes, you know, having pressure up the gut immediately all day long from those two. That's really where my focus is. When to go along with Craig's point, you want to slow down some edge pressure, hard counts. Like Kent said, the quick game, the RPOs, all the jet motion stuff that's pre-snap, but then also at the snap, that is going to slow down edge pressure a little bit. And something that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but most specifically Mahomes has done a lot better as this year's gone on. He doesn't drop back 12, 15 yards near as often as he was doing last year or he was doing early in the season. Yes, it still happens. And it's still, I think, within the realm of possibility on specific plays. They have no problems with Mahomes drifting back in the pocket, but you can no longer set your rush point to 11 yards like we saw in that first Chargers game and they were just getting after him because they've done a good job getting the ball out quicker. He's done a good job staying a little bit tighter in the pocket, making those edge guys run the full arc. That doesn't work if you can't have a pocket to stand into. So like that is the one area that if Vita Vea, if Adamakonzu can really drive that pocket back, if they can give him nowhere to move, that allows that edge pressure to tee off a little bit more. But I mean, I'm with Kent, I'm with Craig. I do think that Andy's going to be creative enough. What I don't think you'll see is what the Packers did. They left an extra blocker, whether it was a tight end or a running back in a lot. A lot of times it was a delayed release, but it was a very delayed release. I don't think you're going to see Kelsey or these running backs trying to set up to block and then release late. They might try a little chip on the way out. They might throw a little down block for a shove, but then get out into the route. I really don't expect to see that much extra help. The help will come from the misdirection, the sprint outs, the jet motion. And as long as you can slow down those edge guys a little bit, I think you're going to be in good shape. 
Yeah, I do think you could see him chipping out a little bit. But I think what you kind of to your point and to all your guys' point, it's the sum of the parts. It's just a bunch of little things that they can do to help mitigate this pass rush. As long as they can avoid quick pressure, which is really just a free rusher, frankly. As long as they can avoid that quick pressure, I actually feel really good because the way Mahomes played last week. Guys, Mahomes, like, I'm amazed at Mahomes last week. I just watched him more and more, just how quickly and decisive the ball's getting out of his hand. And if you contrast that game last week or two weeks ago, it feels like last week, two weeks ago with the Super Bowl last year, yes, the, 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 the pressure was intense from that 49ers front. And this is the, the 49ers is a better front than this, this the group they're seeing. But Mahomes was holding the ball a tick longer. And I think Mahomes has been a lot better getting the ball out of his hands. I think the offense has really done a good job getting the ball out of his hands. And so, yes, that pressure was insane, and Mahomes was having to run for his life a little bit more. Unless it's that quick pressure, I don't think Mahomes is going to have to run for his life nearly as much as he did the last time the Super Bowl went. And if that's the case, this team's lighting the scoreboard up. Um, one, you know, I think if you're looking offensively, I think you've got to focus in, if you're the Buccaneers, on Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, obviously. Maddie kind of had some some stuff we talked about in the mailbag, but I think he should reiterate. You know, one of the things that the Buccaneers could do that has had some success for stretches uh, against this football team. So first of all, I do want to say I saw the stats. I don't remember them verbatim, so I'm not going to try to be precise. But when a receiver goes for over 200 yards versus a team and they play them a second time, they rarely go over 60 yards in the follow-up play. The defense adjusts their game plan to take away the guy that just lit them up for 200 receiving yards and they play them again. So with that in mind, put my Buccaneers hat on. You know, I'm going to Todd Bulls this up real quick. If I'm playing the Chiefs, I'm taking Sean Murphy Bunting or Jamel Dean. It doesn't matter which. Just pick a guy. He's going to go play Tyreek Hill. He's going to play him. He's going to shadow him everywhere. He's going to play physical at the line of scrimmage. His only goal is to knock Tyreek Hill off of his release, then play in trail technique because I'm going to have probably Antoine Winfield if you can trust Jordan Whitehead's you know, range as a center field safety. But if not, it can be Whitehead. It doesn't matter who. Is going to be over the top. 24-7. Everywhere Hill goes, there is going to be a safety waiting deep. That is a full game bracket coverage all the time. Then on the other side, I would have Carlton Davis follow Travis Kelsey around on third downs because Travis Kelsey can't beat up NFL star cornerbacks, let alone Carlton Davis. I am then going to send a linebacker out to wall it off. So you're going to get another bracket coverage on third downs against Travis Kelsey. A linebacker is either going to jam him if he's in tight or he's going to wall him off if he's out wide. You're essentially going to force anybody else to beat you but Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. This is how the New England Patriots have had success in the past. This is how the few teams that have beaten the Chiefs with coverage have done it. You bracket Hill almost the entire game, and he's still probably going to catch one or two. Then you're going to double Travis Kelsey on third downs because that's when he's the most dangerous. I think if you force that to happen, you do make Patrick Mahomes to beat you with the you know other weapons, the extra guys. It's just, you know, Patrick Mahomes is good enough to do that. Now, will the Buccaneers do that? I don't know. They love to play nickel, and that, and they love to put Levante David in man coverage on tight ends. They did it all game long. First the Saints and Jared Cook, first the Packers and Robert Tanyan. If they do that to Travis Kelsey, especially split out wide, yikes. Yeah, uh, this is like the polar opposite of Steve Spagnuolo. Todd Bowles trusts his linebackers to a fault. Like, and when they're playing zone, there's an easy way to get yourself matched up against a linebacker and a position that the defense doesn't want one. Now, Levante David and Devin White are fast, athletic linebackers. That's why they're trusted on the field. But it does mean that it makes it harder to take those guys away. Now, let's go back to Maddie's bracket question here you know brackets both those guys now you've got sammy watkins getting a one-on-one now you've got demarcus robinson or mccall hardman or byron pringle or whoever wide receiver three is getting a one-on-one and you've got clyde edwards elaire or daryl williams out of the backfield getting a one-on-one those are good matchups for the chiefs every single one of those is a good matchup for the chiefs one of those guys has to win that's been the problem in the past when sammy watkins has been out when they've had multiple guys out, when they haven't had some running backs that could beat man coverage like we know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is capable of, those have been the positions that the Chiefs have struggled with. 
That's why Bill Belichick was able to take some of those guys away. It's also why you got to see Damian Williams have some of the big games that he did catching the ball as well because he was able to beat guys in man coverage. I think that if Todd Bowles decides to do that, decides that he's going to let the Chiefs' third, fourth, fifth weapons go out and beat them on that given day, that's probably a good strategy. The problem is the Chiefs can definitely do that and still score points at will doing that. Yeah, and I mean... <sighs> One of the things we talked about earlier in the week is the Chiefs have a good man-beater package for their running backs, and we've seen it. You know, they they do a lot of creative stuff getting the ball um, in space on the edges to their running backs, um, using a lot of rub concepts out or you know little sneaks out the out the opposite side of the of the offensive line. Damian Williams has had a lot of success. I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire might have got one of those against the uh, against uh, the Ravens earlier this year too. That there's there's some ways that they if they're gonna play man covers there's ways that this team can attack and create you know get some guys loose and free and and, and it could be those secondary pieces, um you know so but that's okay you know these th- this is why Sammy Watkins is here this is why Clyde Edwards-Helaire was drafted this is the opportunity for those guys to come up big in the biggest moments and help this team win a Super Bowl. All right, uh, three by one passing game, Maddie. You think this is something that could really come into play this week? <laughs> Anyone that's watched the Chiefs offense or read anybody that's talked about the Chiefs offense over the last three years know that the Chiefs three by one formations, especially when Travis Kelsey gets isolated out of the single wide receiver side, is probably the most feared in the entire NFL. That is something that people literally will spend an entire week talking about before a big matchup. Last year, the 49ers did a pretty good job defending it until Wasp happened. The Buccaneers, on the other hand, they haven't faced that much 3 by one throughout the playoffs. I mean, they haven't faced great passing teams until the Packers, but even the Packers were a little hesitant to just live in 3 by one the same way the Chiefs will, or even the Buccaneers themselves do. So what happens when the Chiefs do go 3 by one The Buccaneers have three main options. They're either going to play some form of two-man coverage, in which they're playing man-to-man coverage across the board with two deep-ish safeties, When they play zone, it's a spot drop zone, or occasionally, especially if you have an inline tight end isolated or a nub formation, they will blitz one of their defensive backs and they telegraph it a lot. So it's pretty simple. Those are all pretty straightforward coverages and what those coverages don't do a great job of, stopping speed with a lot of crossing routes. I'm not sure what the Buccaneers have up their sleeve to stop the Chiefs three by one, but I can say if they live the same way they were living against the Packers or against the Falcons late in the season with kind of just looking at those same buckets, it will be really bad for them because they will put Levante David out on Travis Kelsey a lot. They will try to have a cornerback run across the field with Tyreek Hill or McCole Hardman as the number three wide receiver, which then opens up the number two wide receiver, whoever it may be, to run anything else with a ton of field to work with. Just their spacing is not good. They don't pass off routes and man match depending on where receivers go. It's very basic. It will be very easy for the Chiefs to pick it apart as long as they have time, which takes us back to the first point. How is the offensive line going to do? Yeah, I I think that you might see maybe some more pick plays, for lack of a better term, because those cornerbacks don't switch. They don't banjo. They're not out there running to read like they will literally collide with each other. It happened in the Packers game a lot. And it's something that good defenses do a good job of switching all of that up against the Packers. A game where they had to have that. They weren't doing it. And that was a good offense. The Packers just didn't take advantage of it. I think that you're going to see Andy Reid see some of those tendencies on film. You're going to see him run a few more of those Try and get guys open into space because we know once they're in space, a guy like Tyreek Hill running one of those underneath patterns gets, you know, Travis Kelsey running an out and Tyreek Hill running running an underneath route there. Get him into space. We see what he can do with the slant. Maybe McCall Hardman catches one of those as well. Get him into space. Run at those safeties. Know that they're going to be able to pick up chunk yards because they don't do a particularly good job of defending it. And like I said earlier, if they stay in that zone coverage, you are going to get whoever you're inside. Your number three is, is going to be matched up against Levante David. And that is a quality matchup for the majority of the players that the Chiefs are going to put in that spot. I just really like what the Chiefs could do out of a 3 by one formation this week. 
Well, this is all all of this that you guys are mentioning is partially why I wonder if they do if the Bucks do try to play a little bit man to force Mahomes to hold that ball just a second longer and try to get some of this stuff developed because not all the guys on the Chiefs come uncovered cleanly. Like we've seen this where Tyreek Hill's been out. It's been there's been some struggles for guys to come on clean and Mahomes has been running for his life. You think about uh like the Colts game a couple years ago or last year. Um, and not to say that they're not going to be open at all. It's just, you know, Mahomes is going to have to get creative. It's going to be dropping for depth and dropping with where that guy's popping out of the backside of that little rub concept, you know, like just drifting towards, the, you know, where that, where that crossers come in, where, where he's getting all that traffic and trying to get clean. It's going to have to be creative stuff like that to try to buy time. But if you're not doing, I mean, if things aren't going well there, like that's where you kind of wonder, like maybe that is how the Bucks are going to try to play that man coverage just so they can force Mahomes to sit behind a really bad offensive line. So those are some of the things I'm kind of thinking about with that. Well, and the issue, the way the Bucks defense has operated, going back to our last point about defending Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, if you're going to play two-man coverage, it's going to be really hard for you to bracket both of them on third downs because one of the linebackers is already going to be dedicated to covering Kelsey the other has to cover the running back, especially if they're going to be quick out into the flats like the Chiefs like to do. You can't get that wall or the bracket onto Kelsey and Hill over the top. That's where the three-by-one comes in really handy, and, and Travis Kelsey's isolated on the backside. If you're going to do that, that, that actually could wind up helping free Travis up a little bit. Because you're right, that backer can't help there. He's got to get over the top to try to help with the with the you know you're running that swing underneath Travis Kelsey. That's that concept there that like I mean that's really tough for them to you know that. And then if that's the case, you know Travis is in a favorable favorable spot. I mean, and just as good putting him as the number three in the trips because then I mean he's already the most inside. You can't wall him or cover him with two players unless you're going to take that deep safety over the top of the three wide receivers, which nobody would do. So yeah, the three by one versus man coverage makes it impossible for the Bucks to double both Hill and Kelsey, which is why I think you will see the Chiefs rely on it. And if the Bucks switch it up, if they play a lot of zone, they're not a good zone team. Their zone spacing is pretty mediocre and it's a lot of spot drop stuff. Aaron Rodgers was picking them apart when they started kind of going to that later in the game. I think Patrick Mahomes would have the same success. So you want to force the Bucks into zone coverage because it's not the best in the league. Well, you saw you saw them force it. We talked a little bit like they were playing a lot of a split safety coverage. They might be trying to force some of those rail shots. Now Patrick Mahomes is very good, and Aaron Rodgers is very good. Not every team can complete those rail shots. The best teams in the world can, and the best quarterbacks in the world can, and the Chiefs have the best player in the world so there you go there's I think that's part of their thinking but like it works for 24 of the quarterbacks out there all right players to watch what we got Craig I'm, I'm did you have something did you have something else did you want to jump just, in there? I was just gonna say you know defensive coordinators like to make quarterbacks throw low percentage throws like yeah. those make them hit the hole make them do it time and time again and most quarterbacks at a certain point We'll miss those. When you do that on third down, you miss that. Your defense gets off the field. Patrick Mahomes doesn't miss those very often. Like that, that you're gambling there. So even though it's a quote unquote low percentage throw, defensive coordinators still don't adjust that in their mind because there's only so much you can do to prevent it. But you're gonna let Patrick Mahomes throw that all day long. He's gonna take it. They hit the rail shot on an RPO on the first play of the game the last time these two teams played. Silly. It was beautiful. It was it was so that was one of my favorite like kind of RPO play calls that they had the entire season. Uh Craig, a guy that probably won't be catching a rail shot is Clyde Edwards Alaire, your guy to watch. You don't know that. Clyde is uh, I mentioned him earlier for for the very same reasons that I'm going to say now. This is the game where you look at Clyde at being the beneficiary of teams focusing on Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey all game long. He is probably going to see a lot of man coverage underneath. He's going to see it against linebackers that Todd Bowles trusts to cover him. That doesn't necessarily work out for everybody. Ask, <laughs> ask Xavier McKinney how that worked out when Bama and LSU played, you know, a good athletic safety that Clyde Edwards-Elair just absolutely worked all game long. This is the game that you maybe get to see Clyde get involved in the passing game. I don't think that there's a way that they're going to not try and get him some looks. 
I think he's a key matchup component in this thing. If he's not getting looks, that probably means that they didn't adjust and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are getting those looks. And you'll take that. Like If Clyde is the distraction, that's fine. But I do expect them to take away Tyreek and Travis, Clyde being the beneficiary. Clyde versus Devin White one-on-one is a mismatch if the Chiefs use Clyde correctly. Yes. I think it would be really funny if the, like and it would be a very it would be very appropriate if this is the the week that like the the full reveal of Clyde Edwards Alaire's potential in the passing game is just revealed in the Super Bowl. Ain't no like, next week. I know, but like it would just be like Brett Feach new and all, you know, like I think it would just be like the ultimate clapback, you know, and this is that's kind of just how things have operated sometimes with this football team. Uh and and some of their players and Brett Veach just getting the last laugh at the end of the season. Uh what up, Frank Clark? Uh okay, so I'm invoking playoff Sammy because we haven't seen playoff Sammy yet, and I still believe the hype. And he's a limited participant, and this is very risky to do. But I believe Sammy Watkins is gonna be playing this week. And if we are talking about the kind of effort and energy that the Buccaneers might pay uh, to take away Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. We know what playoff Sammy can do against a weaker receiver. Or our cornerback, I'm sorry. Sammy Watkins, I believe you. I believe in you. I'm invoking playoff Sammy. Go out and do your thing. Make a couple big plays. Be worth every penny. And uh, let Bre- Brett Veach flex a little bit more in the Super Bowl. Hey, Craig, who shows up in big-time games? Big time big, players. Big time players. Who's the biggest big time player on the Kansas City Chiefs as we currently sit? Patrick Lavon Mahomes. Patrick Lavon Mahomes is my player to watch in this game. Not only because he takes his team as far as it will go, if this team does not win without a good performance from Patrick Mahomes, but because I think we are budding on an all-time performance right here. I think this game against the Bucs, when you take into consideration the fact that the Chiefs are starting essentially high-V grocery baggers at some offensive line spots, <laughs> no, that is a little bit of an exaggeration, but not too far off. So you take that into consideration, I think this game should go down in history at the end of it. I also wanted to throw back in just to, you know, add a fun little schematic element. Play a lot of two-man versus the Chiefs. You know what's yep. really open versus two-man coverage? Quarterbacks with little itty-bitty short strides running around all over the field. Yep. Looking like a grandpa trying to scoot on to the grocery store or something. But that's going to be Patrick LeVon Mahomes if you have every single person preoccupied 10, 15 yards downfield with their backs turned. Combine that with his ability to throw the ball into tight coverage, you're getting an MVP level before. No, you're getting a Hall of Fame level performance from Patrick Ooh. Mahomes. Oh, baby. This okay, I'm I'm hyped now. Oh, no. That got me going. Maddie, you got to stop, buddy. Goodness gracious. We got to, like, legitimately, we have to take a break. Yeah, we need a break. Take it's a getting break. warm in here. Woo! Ooh, I'm I'm starting to feel myself a little. We aren't even on game predictions yet. Like what? Let's go. We're gonna take a break. I'm gonna literally take a break. Fan myself. Gonna drink a water. I don't smoke. I might have a cigarette. And we'll be back right after this. <laughs> okay. I think I'm good now. You feel better, buddy. You guys. Are you okay? Are you guys good? No, I'm never okay, but I, I, <laughs> I think we can keep going. We're gonna we're gonna try. Yeah. Okay. Uh, defensive side of the football. Uh, I think one of the one of the things you gotta look about, or one of the things Craig wants to look about, is blitzing up the gut. I'm interested too. Or from the well, no, you know you're not. No, you're not. Blitzing up the gut from the slot. What you see, Craig? Well, the first time these teams met. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo sent a lot of blitzes up the gut. I don't know if everybody remembers it, but Anthony Hitchens had three massive quarterback hits in that game. He rocked Tom Brady a couple of times, really made him feel that pressure, and the Bucks' interior offensive linemen were not able to communicate to the running backs who they needed to pick up. This is something that I got to talk about on the SB Nation NFL podcast earlier this week with Trevor Sikama, and he talked Hollywood. about 
how poor the Buccaneers running backs are in pass protection. They have not done a particularly good job, especially Ronald Jones picking up the blitz. Steve Spagnuolo keyed in on that in that first game, sent Anthony Hitchens a lot of downs, and he was destructive. Now, here in the playoffs, I highlighted it earlier this week, defensive backs have been the stars. Blitzing off the edge, Steve Spagnuolo has been really bringing the house from those condensed formations, getting guys like the Jarius Sneed, Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, free looks, free hits at the quarterback. The question is, are we going to see those or are we going to see more of these up-the-gut blitzes? I think we know that Spagnuolo is going to bring everything in his arsenal. Like, he's going to throw everything he can at Tom Brady. But are we going to force a new interior offensive lineman and some, you know, kind of not great pass-protecting running backs to pick up some of these things up the middle of the field because we know Tom Brady's going to struggle with interior pressure. He hates it up the gut. Do they rely on Anthony Hitchens a little bit more, try and drop out some of these DBs and force Tom Brady to throw hot into some of these sim pressures? Or do we see him kind of get by with what he's done so far in the playoffs and has been really successful coming off of the edge with those slot defenders? Well, for me, I would hedge towards the slot defender because that has been quite effective against Tom Brady in these playoffs especially when Tom Brady saddles up under center, especially on third downs, but you get those single back formations. The Buccaneers love their play action, but it's a little bit slow developing. A lot of times Chris Godwin's inserting into the line of scrimmage. You get a lot of leak plays. You know what beats leak plays? Quick pressure. You get these defensive backs coming off the edge, especially if you get them unblocked, whether it's going to be on a run blitz in case it is a run or you're just sending them at Tom Brady. I think you saw Green Bay get home a couple times with them, force an interception on one play. The Saints got home on a couple of them, bringing that corner pressure, bringing the pressure from the outside with your faster players, your slot guys. I really do think that messes with the Buccaneers, with Tom Brady and what they like to do in their play-action game. And like I said, I'm going to call my shot now. When you see Tom Brady get up under center, I do think you're going to see a handful of nickel blitzes come at him from under center because the odds are they are going to mix in a lot of play action from that challenge Leonard Fournette, who is a much better pass protector than Ronald Jones, but still not great to get to the right spot and handle that defensive back coming off the edge because he hasn't been great at it in the playoffs. Gotta be mindful of Rob Gronkowski there because they do love to pop that Y, that, that Y seam off that play action. uh, If you're going to do that, but, I'm calling it. We're getting a snack from Legarius Sneed. I feel it. I don't like that. I don't care. <laughs> okay. I really don't care. Okay. I'm, it's it's a snack now. A Legarius Sneed sack is a snack. How does it feel? And I will not. How does it feel to have ruined the entire momentum of this podcast, Kent? I don't know. Ask Maddie. I, I'm have to ask Maddie uh, what your feelings are after that. Snack Nation, baby. Uh, we got to pick the tempo up of this podcast, I think, a little bit. And I think the Bucks might be playing with a little bit of tempo this week, too, Craig. Look at that. That's that's the right mark there. of an expert host right there. What a yeah. snack that was. <laughs> okay. We know that Steve Spagnuolo is going to bring the best game plan that he possibly can. We've seen him do it to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl before. I think that's where everybody remembers the first time that they heard of Steve Spagnuolo and what he was actually bringing to the table. One of the best ways to take Steve Spagnuolo out of the game is to go hurry up, play with tempo, get the ball off quicker. And it's not necessarily that you've got to play no huddle, but Spagnuolo relies on so many late rotations on timing the snap, especially teams that like to take the play clock down, you know, under five. Then all of a sudden they can kind of bring Tyron Matthew up into the box and have him blitz. They can start having Dan Sorensen bail out to deep safeties, knowing that the quarterback's not going to be able to change the play call then. Tom Brady can rush to the line, 20 seconds left, get up there, force the Chiefs to get in position, and then really kind of play it a little bit unpredictable. Snap it with 15 on the sl- on the play clock. Take it down to eight. You know, really kind of drive Steve Spagnola and what he can do and the timing for some of those looks off. 
and then you can go no huddle as Steve Spagnuolo is still getting some of those and try and rely on Anthony Hitchens to come out, try and make some of the quick adjustments in between plays and see if Tom Brady can pick apart, you know, some of the more basic audibles because Hitchens isn't going to be able to call everything that Spagnuolo wants from the sidelines there. So that's a way that they can try and take Steve Spagnuolo out of there. Now, the issue with that becomes you can really hurry up and run Leonard Fournette for a one-yard gain, and guess what? It got you nothing. You're going to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes a lot quicker. Teams don't really want to do that too terribly much, but it is a situation where you can try and take, if Steve Spagnuolo comes out and he's just really getting after Tom Brady really hard there, they can kind of pick the tempo up in the second quarter, try and take Spagnuolo and the blitz and some of those you know exotic coverage calls out of the game early and then rely on Steve Spagnuolo to make adjustments, go away from that a little later in the game. Here's one big qualm I have with tempo against the Chiefs as is. We've seen plenty this year that Chris Jones and Frank Clark can get a little winded. They are about your only pass rushers worth much besides LeJarrius Sneed. I don't want to sell my man short here, but they're your only two defensive linemen that are getting consistent pressure. You lock them on the field for an entire drive because you're going quick. You're keeping the tempo up if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can tire them out. I'm not as worried about it overall because, like Craig said, there's a lot of things that have to fall in line for the tempo to be worth it. It does keep Steve Spagnuolo out of his bag of tricks, but there's smart enough guys in this defense that they can still pull off plenty of own stuff on their own. Tyron Matthew doesn't need Steve Spagnuolo to call a specific defense for him to all of a sudden lurk across the entire field and make a play. He's good enough at that on his own. That being said, I would be worried that as you get deep into the game, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, two guys who aren't always playing 100% of the snaps, get a little bit winded, aren't ready to give 100% on every single pass rep as the Chiefs are leading in the fourth quarter. That's just, that's where my mind goes to when I see Tempo versus the Chiefs right now. Yeah, I think it's a second half move because I, you know, I don't think the Chiefs would be too worried about burning a timeout in the first half, but they'd probably think about it a little bit more in that second half. And, you know, you heard Steve Spagnuolo you know, don't let Tom Brady read your mail. Well, it, it you know, we'll see what tempo does to that, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see if if the Bucks do try to play a little tempo. And I do think you know, like it's a good it's a good point you mentioned, Craig. It doesn't have to work, and if it doesn't work, the ball is getting punted quick. <laughs> I mean. You don't Which want you that don't either. Want. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, but here's I think the port. I think the important thing when you just look at when we're looking at this game, when we're looking at all these little things, these little things that the Bucks are going to have to do. It's like you might need to punch one in with tempo at some point. You know, you might need to hit a trick play. There's a lot of little things I think that have to go right for the Bucks to win this football game. So. I mean, you've, they've got all these calculated risks that I think they've got to be mindful of, and some of it's just simple, simple as this, like the risk-reward. Okay, we play with a little tempo. They maybe, maybe they're not, you know, as in their bag of tricks for this possession. You get Frank Clark and Chris Jones a little bit tired and winded throughout the drive, and if we punch it in, that's our chance. If we don't, we're screwed. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, these are the things you got to think about here. Uh, and third down passing defense, I think, is a massive massive piece of this football game, especially if you saw what Tom Brady was doing in the first half of the NFC Championship game. Not just the first half of that game. The Buccaneers are sitting at 51% conversion rate on third downs when they decide to throw the football. Like That's pretty dang good, guys. So yeah, that's going to play a big role, especially if the Buccaneers are content with running it on first and second down like they were versus the Packers so often. You start getting off the field on some of these third downs, it goes a long way. I mean, what exactly is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing on third down that's making them so effective? It goes against the general logic on how you would expect to excel on third down. They throw a lot of deep shots. They throw the ball on these low percentage throws outside the numbers along the sideline on out routes, back shoulder plays. They don't do high percentage stuff a ton on third downs. Instead, they attack the leverages. They attack where you're giving them the one-on-one opportunities, and they just say, Tom Brady's going to put the ball in the right spot. Our excellent weapons are going to come out here and they're going to make a play on it. So how are the Chiefs going to counter that? 
How are they going to go about stopping Mike Evans on an out route? How are they going to go about stopping Tyler Johnson isolated on a back shoulder throw because they're not going to allow you to put any help over there? Or when those things start hitting, what happens when they start going deep to Scotty Miller, who thinks he's as fast as Tyreek Hill, or hitting Chris Godwin down the middle of the field trying to split two safeties? They will stress you all over the field, and they're not afraid to go exactly at what Steve Spagnuolo likes to give you, which is those low percentage throws. Now, I might let Craig go off on this a little bit. At times in the past, Steve Spagnuolo has been able to disguise some coverages on Tom Brady, especially along the sidelines, and produce, I don't know, some turnovers, looking back to Bashad Breeland picking him off when Tom Brady was still with the Patriots. So there are things the Chiefs will be able to do, but Craig, how would you go about stopping some of these I mean, lower percentage throws if you were the Chiefs defense? I mean, that, that's what you got to do. You got to throw some of your tendency breakers. Steve Spagnuolo has been doing this all year long. And while we talk about his exotic coverage calls and things like that, there are hallmarks that he sticks by. There are things that he's going to do generally with his outside cornerbacks, with his safeties. We see that inverted kind of Tampa 2 a little bit. We see that slot drop cover 2 a lot. We see a lot of those hallmarks. Now all of a sudden, you start playing against some of those tendencies. They're expecting that. You don't. Maybe you don't drop that guy anymore. Maybe you only drop him to the hook defender now rather than dropping him to the deep safety and they try and hit a hole shot that's not there. You try and trap Tom Brady, a guy who's seen literally everything that there is to see, into playing against what Spagnola has done in the past. Now, that also makes things difficult because you're trying to put new stuff on the field. You're trying to stress some of these things in the secondary. You can have some blown coverages if you're trying to play against some of the things that you do well and that you've done well throughout the season. I will say this. Maddie's exactly right about Tom Brady going deep. They, they just, they don't care. Like, this isn't a situation where you can hurry him up, force a check down, and expect that things are going to go well because he's going to take the deep shot. He's just going to lob it up as a 50-50 ball. We saw countless times over the past several weeks where Tom Brady is just throwing it up into the secondary and trusting that Mike Evans is going to come down with it, trusting that Chris, Chris Godwin, Godwin is going to come yeah. down with it. It happened against the Chiefs. They hit a deep one on a Charvarius Ward and Dan Sorensen blitz. It was an excellent blitz call in week 12. They threw one over the top of Juan Thornhill and Rashad Fenton that was just a prayer. It hung for ever. That's what Brady's going to do. He's going to throw those 50-50 balls up in the middle of the field. If these safeties can stay on top of some of these routes, they can really you know, find themselves in a position to pick off a lot of these passes on third downs in week 12. And granted, both of these teams are different. For instance, the Chiefs have full strength Juan Thornhill and Legereus Sneed on this roster. That's a, that's a massive change in this secondary. The Chiefs held the Bucks to 33% on third downs on the, in the game. Spagnuolo did an excellent job taking away a lot of stuff, forcing some tight windows. We got to see good defense out of this team. I am expecting that we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see Tom arm punting a couple into the secondary. It's just up to the Chiefs defenders to really play strong at the catch point, try and come down with some of those. Well, and you saw some really bad arm punts in the second half of that football game uh, against pressure. He was he was feeling that pressure, and he was feeling those hits. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about blitzing. I, I, you got to get him down early a couple times, make him feel it. Because I don't think 43-year-olds, despite the TB12 method, I don't care how much acai juice you're drinking or acai juice you're drinking. I don't know. Craig probably knows the pronunciation of that but can't get anyone's name right. Um, but I, I, I do think you get some of those hits early, make them feel it. Then those pressures, you know, he starts to feel things a little bit because you saw, in, I mean, it was arm punts, but it was really bad arm punts. I mean, it was like, me trying to punt arm punts, you know, like it was, I, I think that's one of the things you got, get home with that pressure early, get, get them on the ground a few times. I think you're sitting pretty. All right. Players to watch Craig. I'm going with Chris Jones, Chris Jones. Last time these two teams face had a good pressure rate. It was above 
the the Buccaneers. There wasn't a whole lot of pressures in that game outside of some blitzes, but Chris Jones was one of the guys that was able to get some pressure. Now, Ryan Jensen handled him on several plays. I think a lot of those clips were going around. Ryan Jensen's an excellent player on the interior. So is Ali Marpet. But the last time they had Alex Kappa, they do not in this game. They are replacing him with a guy that's playing in his 14th NFL game. That's it. He is coming in here with not a ton of prep. He was a healthy scratch against the Washington football team in the wild card round. So not a guy that they've been, you know, like rolling with on the roster. If there's an exploitable part of this offensive line, it is that guy. And it's by a guy like Chris Jones that can win with power, that can win with speed. And we have seen Chris Jones cause problems for Tom Brady before. He has been destructive on the interior against Brady. He sped him up. He's caused him to get inaccurate in several games that you've seen the Chiefs and Tom Brady play so far in their careers. Chris Jones could have a massive game if he can get that matchup. If he can line up as a three-tech over him and really take full advantage of him, I think you're going to see a lot more interior pressure. And like Kent said, you hit Tom early. All of a sudden, those things start floating on him a little bit more, and you start being able to take advantage of it in the secondary. So running down some of our keys to this Chiefs defensive performance, you know, we got where the Chiefs blitzing from. Is it up the middle? Is it over the slot? We got how the Chiefs are going to handle the Bucks playing tempo when plays can't come in from the sideline quite as quickly or quite as well. And we have the Chiefs handling third down passing. I wonder which player probably has the biggest impact on just about every single one of those. That's right, Tyron Matthew. Like we said for the offensive side, big-time players show up in big-time games. You want the best player on your defense to be the guy that makes a difference in the Super Bowl. That's Tyron Matthew, whether it's disguising coverages whether it's lurking around the middle of the field, making plays on the football, making just insane reads, whether it's a screen pass, a run, his ability to blitz on its own, whatever it may be, Tyron Matthews is going to make some highlight plays in this game. They might not always be something that's worth clipping up and throwing onto a YouTube highlight video because sometimes they're just going to be mental things. Sometimes it's going to be the ability to take away Tom Brady's hot read on a specific you know, blitz play. We, that's how two of the interceptions, the two interceptions that Tom Brady threw, both of them came with Tyron Matthew playing a disguised role from where he was lined pre-snap. These are things that he does over and over again that really mess with the quarterback even as good as Tom Brady. And what allows him to do this is, you know, I'm getting a two for one here, which I know Kent loves, Juan Thornhill being back allows the Chiefs to move Tyron Matthew all over the field because you can play single high a little bit with him with the way the athleticism showing up. That gives Tyron Matthew the flexibility to shoot across the entire field and make plays whenever he feels like it. You are getting a great Tyron Matthew game this week. I Just like the Patrick Mahomes game, I'm telling you, you're getting a good Tyron Matthew game right here, right now. I think he's focused and locked in and he's been excellent down the stretch. I was going to go with Frank Clark, who with two sacks would tie Reggie White for fourth all-time in NFL sacks in his playoff career, which is 12 is also his PFF grade. But I'm actually going to pivot. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit matty here because one of the guys I was thinking about doing was Juan Thornhill. And Juan Thornhill did not get an opportunity to play in this game last year. Juan Thornhill was having an excellent rookie campaign. He got hurt late in the season, missed out on this opportunity. It's been a long road to recovery for him. You've seen some struggles. You've seen some of the angles that he's taken to the football look like a guy who believed in his athleticism more than his body was revealing. But now, now, in January, Juan Thorner looks like the same guy that got everyone excited about him. He's making plays from deep he's making plays in coverage and turning and locating the football making plays on the ball he's active and he's downhill he's I mean he looks like the same guy we used to see I think you're gonna get a good Juan Thornhill game this week and I'm so happy for Juan Thornhill if that happens I'm so excited that he gets to play in this game finally and I don't think he's gonna waste this opportunity because he hasn't wasted a single opportunity in January he looks like one of the better safeties in the National Football League in January and I expect him to continue that performance 
this week. All right, boys, this is the last prediction we will make for six months, maybe more. I don't know how long. I don't know how I'm not doing. I don't, I don't have time for that math. What I do have time is to hear what you guys think the score of this football game is going to be. What you got, Craig? Y'all notice how loose this team is? And I don't mean unfocused. I mean loose. Like, I thought you were talking about this podcast. No, I, I mean, this podcast is here. always loose. Like the <laughs> Buddy, we, we are tight. <laughs> <laughs> now, this team, it, it's not a lack of focus. They definitely focused. Like, you hear them talk about what they're going to go out there and do. It's definitely focused. But Tyreek Hill is not tight. Like, Frank Clark is not tight. It, these guys are letting stuff roll off their backs. Now, they're still motivated. They're still finding these quotes. They're still seeing the motivation in everything that's said. Meanwhile, the Bucks are over here, and they have a lot to say. They are talking like a team that's trying to get themselves up for this game, to trying to prove to themselves that they, that they needed to be involved in this, and they go out and win it, similar to the Kansas City Chiefs last year. The Chiefs are a better football team. And the way that they lose this game is that they come out and they don't play to their potential. If they don't do the things that is going to make them the best team in football. If they're playing loose, if they're playing fast, and this makes me think that they've got a great game plan, they are going to come out and put points on the board, and this defense is going to do enough against Tom Brady, Mike Rimmers, and Juan Thornhill. Sweet, sweet redemption. Getting their rings. Chiefs win. 3428. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I've already told you that the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, is having a great game, a resume building game for his Hall of Fame career when he follows through with this. I've already told you that Patrick LeVon Mahomes is going to have a game that you are going to tell your children about. So, how's it even going to be close? It's not. Chiefs win this one 35 to 26. <laughs> it only looks close late because the Buccaneers are able to save face late in the game because Andy Reid is a nice guy. We've talked, to, I, you know, it's out there a lot. This is a legacy game for two guys, and both of them just happen to be quarterbacks. Patrick LeVon Mahomes can win this game and be a third of the way to what Tom Brady's you know, unattainable number is six, six Super Bowl championships. Tom Brady can really stretch this thing out in devastating fashion. If he pulls this game off against Patrick LeVon Mahomes, the good news for the chiefs is, and the good news for anybody listening to this show is the best player in the world. The suit, the future goat is playing against the current goat. Patrick LeVon Mahomes is coming for that legacy, Tom. And it starts on Sunday. Patrick LeVon Mahomes is going to go off this week. He's going to remind everybody what's what the future of this what the future of this league looks like. Patrick, don't let Tom pass the torch. Rip it out of his hands with absolute force and let everyone know what's coming for the next decade plus from the Kansas City Chiefs. 31-27. Celebrate. I will talk to y'all after another Chiefs Super Bowl on Sunday night. Catch you later.